Hey, why don't you uh, just turn around and say hi to somebody, you know, maybe wave across the room, give a shout out, air high five. Hello, my name is Curtis, and I am the pastor for seniors here at Willow Park Church. Here's your family news for this week. First, I just want to say welcome to all of you who are new to Willow Park Church Creekside. If you haven't already, please take a moment to fill out one of our Connect cards or scan this QR code to fill it out online. Then, after the service, be sure to stop by the Connect table in the foyer to collect a free gift from us. We are blessed 
to have a great group of men and women on our board of elders who help lead our church. At this time, we are currently looking to fill two vacant positions on the board, and we are especially hoping for some nominations from our Lake Country campus. If you would like to nominate someone for this role, please visit our website to fill out an elder nomination form. On February 7th, we will be starting a new Alpha course. If you are wanting to learn more about God and explore the deeper questions of life, then this seven-week course is definitely for you. Alpha will be happening online on Monday nights at 7 p.m. and will be hosted by Pastor Phil, Pastor Jordan, and Pastor Me. Sign up today on our website and think about inviting a friend to attend with you. Don't forget to sign up for our upcoming Senior High Winter Retreat for youth in grades 9 to 12. It's happening at Pines Bible Camp on February 18th to 20th, and it's going to be so much fun. Be sure to register soon at cahoots.ca slash arctic. Today is the last day of our 21 days of prayer. To wrap it all up and celebrate what God has done, we hope you will join us tonight at 5.30 p.m. at our Highway 33 location for Willow One Worship and Prayer. There will also be a kids' praise and prayer event happening at the same time. So bring the whole family. We look forward to seeing lots of our Creekside family there at our Highway 33 location tonight for an extended time of worship and prayer. Well, that's all for our family news. Have a wonderful week. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. It is true, COVID is a thing, um, and it's, it has happened within, well, I, I think everybody has seen it happen within their spaces, uh, family circles, schools, uh, workplaces, and even in our church. And so today, you know, let's think about our church members that who are battling it um, and who have it, and even those you might know who within your circle who are not feeling well. Um, let's... Continue to remember them in prayer during this highly contagious season in January, obvious, but on top of that, there's a pandemic. And so uh, let's remember those people in prayer. Why don't you stand with me, and I'm just going to read this scripture and pray before we enter into our next, uh, our set of uh, music for worship here. It's Psalm 103, verses 1 to 4. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is why we come. We come to praise our King. We come to praise our Lord. We come to praise the one who has redeemed us, who loves us, who saved us, and remembering all the good things that he's done for us. And so as we enter into worship here, let's remember Christ. Let's worship him. Let's, you know, th forget about the things that are maybe are really, really bringing us down. And the beauty is it so we can lay them right at his feet as we worship him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can come and we can praise you. Lord, we thank you for those who are here, and we think about those who aren't well. And Lord, we pray that you would continually, Lord, surround them with your goodness. Lord, we pray as we worship you this morning, Lord, that we would, oh, Lord, remember all that you've done. Lord, remember where you're leading us. 
Remember the promises you have for us. Lord, we praise you, remembering that you've saved us, you've redeemed us, you've called us all out by name. You are worthy of our praise. This is not another mindless act that we come to do, Lord Jesus. This has um, kingdom impact when we come together on Sundays to worship you, Father. So we thank you that we can praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Father, Lord, you think that song was sung so many thousands of years ago as Moses and Miriam crossed over the Red Sea, Lord, by your hand. We just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
we praise you, Jesus, Lord, in this place. Lord, we just lift your name, your name above all names. Thank you, Lord. Worthy is the
come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus christ so come to the altar the father's Before we invite the kids up, just a couple quick announcements. Um, this is your first Sunday here. Curtis mentioned it, but there's these wonderful, beautiful yellow Connect cards. You know, this is probably a color you want to paint on your walls and everything. So yeah, definitely take like 10 of these and just go tape them on your wall. Um, but you just take one, actually, if you're new here. Uh, and just fill it out. Um, and if there's something that you want to know more about, you can check it off there. And then I will receive it. You'll get a welcome email from me and a wonderful gift. And then, um, yeah, and you also get a free gift, I guess, at the Connect Desk. So please sign or fill one of those out. Second thing is, I just want to reiterate, it's Willow One Prayer tonight. Um, it's our wrap-up to our 21 days of prayer. It's at 5.30. There's also uh, an event for the kids at 5.30. And so this is going to be an amazing time to worship, to pray, to celebrate what the Lord has done over these 21 days of prayer. Uh, also, thank you. Uh, my wife last week, she came up. She was like, oh, we need some help with Kids Club, and the response was overwhelming. So thank you so much to those who decided to come and help at Kids Club. Hopefully you survived this week. I can see some of you here, so that means yes. Um, and so uh, that's, uh, so thank you. Lastly, Good Friends Fellowship is February 10th, I believe, at 2 o'clock here. Am I getting all this info right? Phyllis is giving me a nod, which means yes. And so if you are 55 and above and you're interested in coming, please talk to Phyllis, who's right there. She's got her hand up. Amazing. We can see her now. This is the beauty of having lights uh, in our service. <laughs> and lastly, uh, if you're interested in volunteering in some sort of way, we have a volunteer sign-up at our Connect Desk. Uh, there's kids, there's connections, there's setup. There's so many ways that you can participate in what the Lord's doing here, and please feel free to sign up. Kim, and kids, why don't you come on up? Oh, wow, we are sparse today. You can't see. I uh, painted our walls a yellow close to that one time. Yeah, it was, my friend came in, she's like, it's like the lines on a highway. And I'm like, it was a lot darker than I thought it was going to be. So I feel like Jeremy kind of walked me a little bit there. Because we've definitely done it. I have pictures to prove it. It quickly got repainted, but it was that color. So we have been working on, wow, there is like no one here. This is crazy. Hey, there's, there's very few of us here today. Oh, there's Isabel. Welcome. You got pushed up here, hey? So we've been working on the Lord's Prayer. We did the first little bit. Do people remember it? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so we're going to be working on our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And as I was thinking about 
it yesterday. For the most part here, we see our daily bread being provided. But there are people that do pray and they don't have their daily bread provided. And so we haven't done kids um, offering in a while, well, since COVID, before COVID, I guess. So we're gonna start doing that again. And the kids, we're gonna have some options of things they can choose from. So I'm letting parents know we are gonna be collecting offering again. Um, we hope to do some stuff for local places, but then there's also, with Compassion, there's options. We can provide a whole farm worth of food for like, I think $490. We'll buy two goats, pigs, chickens, and vegetable seeds for a family. Water filters is $80. Um, food for malnourished children is $60. So we're gonna start and we're gonna make a board on what we're gonna what our goals are, we want to um, put food in the community kitchen or the food drive. Like we want, we realize that for the most part here, we're very thankful that God has provided our daily bread. But there are people in this world that don't have their daily bread. And so we want to start thinking out and beyond ourselves. So if your kids come home being like, I need money, that's what it's for. It's not for them. It's for others. So we're going to kind of focus on that today. All right, guys, should we pray? Yes, okay. Let's pray. We're going to pray for all our friends who aren't here because we know a lot of them have colds right now. So, so God, I thank you so much for our kids that are here and our kids that um, aren't here today, Lord God. And we just pray that you would bring healing and wholeness into people's lives, into people's bodies, Jesus. Um, we recognize that there is sickness and illness out there, Lord God. And we just, we know that you are the healer and we just pray for healing for our friends and family, Jesus. And we thank you for these kids that are here. We thank you for their love for you and their devotion to you and for their families that bring them faithfully. And so I pray you bless us and give us a good Sunday school. Amen. Okay, let's head out that way and then go to that one classroom, the bigger one. Yay. Awesome. There is nursery, and they'll be right back through, well, you can't go through that window, but uh, if you go out the door and then along the hallway, there's nursery help for those who have little, little ones. Uh, now, we're just going to take our time for offering. There are many ways to give. They're going to pop up here on the screen online. You can scan this wonderful QR code, which you will find at the Connect desk uh, in person. We're going to have, there's some envelopes in front of you. You can grab an envelope, fill it out, and we have an offering box at the Connect desk that you can drop that off. Or automated, you can sign up to give monthly uh, and not have to worry about it at WPCgiving.com. And I've constantly been saying this. We want to be 2 Corinthians 8 givers. We want to give generously, continuously, sacrificially. But as 2 Corinthians 8 continues, it goes into chapter 9, shocking. And then um, it talks about three things. And the three things about giving that they really want, they, they share in, in chapter 9 is you sow generously, you'll reap generously. You give what you have decided in your heart, right? And the Lord just wants a cheerful giver. Whatever you've decided in your heart to give, the Lord's happy with. And you will be enriched if you give. You won't be rich if you give. I'm going to get that. Enriched, which means something happens within your soul, within your heart, as you give. And so this is why we give. We give to our church so we can continue to work uh, here within Lake Country, but also it does something within our hearts and our souls as we do it. So let's take time. Let's pray. Uh, and then Warren's going to play softly as we consider what to give. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we have this opportunity. Lord, Lord, 
we have, if we're honest, our daily bread. Lord, we have what we need. Lord, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, a lot of us, Lord, you know, I look at my life and I'm like, I have more than, more than I need. Lord, and I want to freely give because you've freely given. So, Lord, as we take this time and consider, Lord, what uh, to give, Lord, we just ask that you'd speak to our hearts, minister to our souls in this time. This is uh, wrapping up our series on rhythms here this week. Hopefully, you know, you've been able to engage in some of these practices that, you know, we've been uh, sharing with you that help you sustain a fruitful relationship with Christ. And truly, there's so many topics that we can continue to talk about in this series on the ways to practice spiritual disciplines that we can incorporate into our life that draw us close to Christ. Um, And you know what? The beauty of being a multi-campus is that there are many other messages within our Willow Park circle that you haven't maybe heard from myself. And so there's, you can go to the website here. It's going to pop up at www.willowparkchurch.com slash media slash series slash rhythms. This rolls right off the tongue. And so I'm sure you'll remember that. Um, Maybe take a picture of that with your phone or just simply just go to the website and just click, click, click until you get there. But there's other topics of disciplines that, you know, some of our pastors have spoken on, like scripture memorization, identity, uh, simplicity, and so forth. And so there's a lot more resources out there in the series if you're looking on ways to, you know, craft spiritual disciplines in your life. There are some good books out there, too, for you. And so uh, they're going to pop up here on the screen, and I'll go through some of them. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is a great one by John Mark Comer. Uh, the Spirit of the Disciplines is a classic by Dallas Willard, and The Celebration of Discipline is another good one uh, by Richard Foster. Uh, Atomic Habits is a really good one also. Obviously, I keep saying really good. They're just on there, and so they're obviously going to be, well, I think they're good. So uh, the only way you'll find out is you buy them all uh, and read them. And so my favorite, my all-time favorite, the one I will read continuously, and you've probably heard me talk about, is The Truest Thing About You by David Lomas. 
uh, such a great book on identity and recognizing who we are in Jesus. And so, all great resources that help you continue to practice rhythms as we continue through this year, because, you know, we begin January, and we're like, this is a new year, new me kind of thing, and you know, these are the things I want to do. And January starts off strong, and then February comes, and we're just like, I'm done. And so um, we want to craft spiritual disciplines in our life that uh, continue to provide fruit throughout the year. So today we're going to talk about servanthood with generosity. Uh, I mean, I feel like these two go hand in hand. And so these, uh, you know, we want to be generous people. We want to be known as the most generous people on earth believers. We want to be generous with our time. We want to be generous with our money. We want to be generous with our relationships and creating those healthy relationships with people. And you might think this and hear like, oh man, this is like, he's going to ask us to do stuff. And so um, I'm not here to ask you to do stuff. Uh, I'm here to just share um, who Christ was and what he's called us to do. And you know what? The Lord's going to speak to you and guide you in that way. And so last week, right, we talked about rest. You talked about Sabbath. You talked to us about unplugging. Now you're going to tell us to do things? Come on. This is like going to give me a complex. And so I'm not here to give anybody a complex. We're just here to talk about Jesus. Um, let me say this. Since our time of being here, Kim and I have been here for almost three and a half years. Uh, it's crazy to think that we're hitting up two years here on COVID, and most of our time has been a COVID life here. Um, th- th- you guys are great at serving. Like, you're amazing at stepping in and helping and making things happen. We aren't a huge congregation, but man, we really fill in the gaps and we really commit to being the body of Christ. And so I thank you for your servanthood and willing to step into spaces and willing to serve in any area that, you know, you feel that maybe you want to be challenged in or maybe you feel you're called to. So thank you so much for your servant hearts. Um, Like I said, this morning, like we had a... people show up early so we can learn how to set up again. We had uh, kids club last week. Kim's like, oh, I need help. And then she's more than enough now to come and help. So thank you so much for your hearts and for willing to step in. Um, so I b- believe this topic will be an easy topic to talk about. And so I'm done. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, we want to create as believers is this rhythm of service in our life. We want to be people who really lay down our lives for Jesus, show what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so if Jesus lived this way with a servant's heart and there was fruit in life through it, uh, then we as followers of Jesus, we want to be people who serve. We want to be people who mimic him. And so he showed us that there's life through servanthood. And so there's two, two stories that we look at, and the characters, they actually perform the same act in this story. But before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can come uh, this Sunday, Lord, and we thank you for everybody here. Um, we pray, Lord, that you could keep them healthy, Lord, that you would uh, give them strong immunities, Lord. And we pray for those who aren't feeling well right now, Lord, our hearts go out to them, Lord, we lift them up in prayer as they battle um, colds, COVID, and whatnot, Father. And so we just... Uh, Lord, we think about our body of Christ. Oh, when people hurt, we hurt. And so uh, as we go throughout this day, Lord, let their names be on our lips, on our heart. Let us remember them in prayer. But Lord, as we are here um, to hear your word, we pray that our hearts will be open to what you want to share to, and speak to us, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. We are going to turn to Luke uh, chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Um, and so some of the scripture is going to pop up here on the screen. Uh, this is the story where we see Jesus interact with the woman who's had a past. 
And it says this, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came with, there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now let's unpack this just a bit. Simon, he's a Pharisee. He invites Jesus for dinner. The woman with a past heard that Jesus would be there. She wasn't a guest. She heard that Jesus would be there, and so she shows up. She, so he purchased this expensive jar of perfume, and she entered the house, breaking and entering. And so it's like, it's okay when Jesus is there. You can break, I'm just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> in their custom, everyone would leave their sandals at the door. This is the normal custom at this time. And then the servants or someone hired would pour water over the guest's feet to clean them, to cool them, and such. However, Simon, he failed to extend this courtesy to Jesus. He didn't offer this, this common courtesy that is offered at every home that you entered into. And neither did, Jesus, did he greet Jesus with this customary kiss or anoint him with oil, which is another normal practice in this time. So these were actually huge glaring omissions in this culture. It's big faux pas. Please don't do that. Yet this woman, presumably a prostitute, stood there weeping, her tears wet his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kissed the Lord's feet and poured perfume on them. Big question, why, why was she there? Why was she there? Why did she come? Like I said, she heard that Jesus, you know, proclaimed God's love for sinners. This is, she's heard the stories of Jesus and this good news of God's love for sinners like her. And she's overwhelmed, it overwhelmed her and triggered a desire for her to offer this grateful response to this one who can forgive her sins, this one who can cleanse her sins. And so the woman, aware that she was in this presence of hostile men, she couldn't kiss Jesus on the cheek, you know, as it would have been hopelessly misunderstood. But she could kiss his feet, right? Because nobody does that. I've never met anybody still in my life that has kissed anyone's foot. So she washed his feet with her own tears and wiped them with her hair. For no one offered her either a basin of water or a towel for this. this was, she was actually performing the, the act that Simon should have had provided for Jesus as he came into the house. She humbly came in and she poured her tears upon his feet and then she wiped them with her hair and she kissed his feet. And what was really shocking about this is, is no woman would let down her hair except for her husband in this culture. She smothered his feet with kisses in this wonderful gesture of great humility and devotion. It would have been just unthinkable, really unfathomable for a woman such as the status to anoint a rabbi's head. And so she anointed his feet instead. Her gifts of tears, kisses on the feet, perfume, expressed this heart of gratitude, this heart of devotion, this heart of care, this heart of like, I love you, Jesus. I, I love, Lord, that you can come and you can save me, that you can separate my sins. Simon, he was unmoved by all this. And he responded that if Jesus really was the prophet, if Jesus really was who he said he was, he would have surely known that this woman was touching him and this was gross. This woman who's unclean is touching your feet, Rabbi? Oh, you aren't a prophet. You aren't who you say you are. But Simon, he really misjudged the situation. He really didn't read it right. Jesus, 
He didn't know who this woman was. Her actions were not the caresses of an impure woman, but the outpouring of love from a repentant woman, from somebody who needed Jesus. Simon, he was completely indifferent to the woman's obvious repentance. He couldn't see it. He didn't understand it. Because she was still a sinner in his eyes. But Jesus goes on to show all that Simon had done wrong and then proves him wrong by saying this. He would go on to say this. Her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Now, Simon, he's been proven completely wrong. Jesus shows that he is actually the one who forgives sins. He is the one who the woman really needs. And he went above and beyond what Simon expected. And this woman went above and beyond the heart of a servant to come and wash the feet of a guest. So, what does this all have to do with serving? Let's think about the things that we love. There's a lot of things that I love in my life. I love my wife. I think she's amazing. I love my kids. They're awesome. They're, even though when they're running into the baptismal tank and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's people here. I still love them. We willingly go above and beyond and do things for the ones that we love. And we help those that we love. I was even thinking about this. We were babysitting uh, a baby. And you know what? We went and we changed the diaper. And as I was changing this baby's diaper, you know, I was just repulsed by everything. And it's like, oh my goodness. Oh no. But when I changed my, my kid's diapers, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is fine. And just like, you just do it. Not that I don't love that baby that I changed the diaper for. But there's just something you just love. When you love something, you go above and beyond. You do things, you make time for the, the things that you love. In this story, we see a woman who believes that Jesus is who he says he is. This woman truly believes this is the man who can forgive my sins. This is the man who can cleanse me from everything that I've done, from all my wrongdoing. She has followed his steps. She's breaking and entering. She's stalked him, obviously, into the moment that she can get into this house. She has tracked him down. She recognizes the ways she has fallen short, and she needs a Savior, someone who can forgive her of the sins that she's committed. So she is so willing to meet Jesus that she essentially, right, she crashes the supper, takes on the role of being the one, the servant, the one that greets him at this person's house, that cleanses his feet, that cleans them. She actually goes, she loves Jesus so much that she's going to be the servant and the one who serves him. So she cleans his feet. She goes above and beyond. She goes the extra mile. Think about all those times maybe you've gone the extra mile for your child, taking them to, if they've done sports, or driving through some treacherous snowstorms, or waking up really early, or you know what, you know what, recognizing, you know what, my kids really like this, and so I know it's going to cost, and it's, and, but you know what, I'm willing to pay the cost in order, maybe it's something that I'm not going to be able to have money for to do myself. We go above and beyond to serve those that we love. Serving Jesus starts with the reality of recognizing and remembering our need for him. We come and we do things because of the one we love. Here at 7.30, because we love this church, we love Jesus. Now this woman, she then shows this life of generosity. 
recognizing that even this perfume costs so much. She's like, I don't need that in comparison to what I need of Jesus. And so she generously pours perfume upon his feet, something that's really expensive at this time. She's like, uh, all I need is you, Jesus. I want to lay it all down at your feet. I want to serve you. Lord, I need you. So our desire to serve depends on the depth of our love for Jesus. We've watched um, The Matrix. Have you ever watched The Matrix before? I don't need a show of hands, but The Matrix is this movie about, I, I don't even know how to explain it. I could be here for the rest of the service doing that. But anyways, we've seen the same story where the main character saves a guy and this guy is willing to do anything for this, for Neo, really willing to go above and beyond for Neo. This is our life with Jesus. He's come. He's saved us. He's laid down his life for us. Are we willing to serve? Are we willing to serve him, the one that we love? You might think, that's not fair. But again, think about the things that you love and how you make time for them. Really think about that. The things that you love, it's easy to make time for them. Now we have a second story that is similar to this, the same act performed. Let's look at John 13, 2-8. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles or you don't have the Bible app, it's going to pop up here in the screen. I'll read it for you. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took out his outer cloth, clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you should, you should never wash my feet. Please, please don't. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. First off, don't you just love Peter's response? Typical Peter, right? Uh, no, Jesus, don't, don't wash my feet. Please don't touch them. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then he's like, okay, wash it all. And like, he's just like, he's just like, I can imagine him just laying there, just like, pour it on, Jesus. And so, um, but he's like, wash my feet, shower me. Like, he's like, I just love Peter. Um, really ambitious. Now we know this story. Jesus gathered his students in the upper room to share a meal with him. Jesus knew that the hour had come uh, for him to leave this world. The following day, right, he would be nailed to the cross. This was going to happen. But on the last night, when death was imminent, when he knew it was coming, when he knew what was about to happen, Jesus revealed what he prized the most. See, what Jesus prized was servanthood. You might be like, really? Jesus' apprentices had been with him for now three years. And we're still confused about the nature of his mission. They still really didn't understand up to this point, even up to this night, what the mission of Jesus was. Well, they kind of had an idea and a hope what it was. A week before, Jesus rode in on a donkey, right? This great processional. 
large crowds, they gathered, they said, Hosanna. And they said, Israel believed that this was the Messiah that was finally coming to the throne, the leaders, and actually give us the prominence that we've all been longing for. This happened a week ago. He came in and was victorious. Hosanna, they were shouting. Like Luke's account of the Last Supper shows that the disciples, they're actually arguing over the role they will have in Jesus' cabinet of administration. They're like, no, I'm going to be the head of Senate. And then like, no, he's like, I'm going to be the treasurer. I'm going to be secretary of state. Uh, And so they're all like actually arguing over the roles that they're going to have in Jesus' administration because this is what they think is going to happen. So imagine the dilemma when they walk into a room that night to have their meal, and there is no servant to wash their feet. They walk in, have their meal. Oh, no one's there to wash my feet. Okay. Jesus, he's a bad host, but I'll, I'll look past it. And so, uh, because foot washing, right, was a necessity. There was no paved roads in Palestine. Uh, the roads were dusty and dirty. There was no modern toilets. Uh, you know, people spilled their waste actually into the streets. Foot washing was essential at this time. And usually Jewish people, where they would hire a Gentile slave or a woman or a child to do this. And so the washing, right, equivalent to taking off our shoes in someone's house today, unless you're in America. This was a big thing for me to get used to in Canada. We walk into people's homes with shoes. You might be thinking, that's gross, Jeremy. Please don't ever come to my house. But we do. And so, and I've learned now, I've been Canadianized, and so I take off my shoes. I make sure I wear socks. And so, but partway through the evening meal, Jesus, whom the disciples, they called Master, suddenly removed his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash his students' feet. And everyone is really just like taken back, really taken back. Because there's no record of this ever, ever happening by a rabbi in this point of history. This act would have been considered extremely unclean, which is why they hired a Gentile, a woman, or a child. That, that's at this time. And so let's not get upset with me. This is, that's what happened this time. But according to the Jewish, that was unclean according to their code. So let's put this in a little bit of context. Imagine meeting someone you really look up to at the grocery store, your hero. And you're like, hey, I'm a big fan of you. And I'm actually, like, they're actually genuinely, genuinely moved that you are really into them. Like, you're my fan. Oh, this is so cool. And like, I don't want to impose, but hey, can I come over for dinner? Your hero says, and they come over for dinner. You enjoy appetizers. Then before you sit down to eat, your honored guest, he goes, before we eat, I would like to do something for you. I would like to clean your toilet. (laughs) Imagine the cringe factor of that. This is kind of the cringe factor of what they're experiencing right now. My rabbi wants to clean my feet he wants to, to kneel down to unclothe himself and take his clean cloth and put, hit my foot on his lap so he can clean it. He, he wants to do this. Scripture tells that Jesus Christ was God in human flesh. So like no other human being before or since embodied, embodied this true greatness. So in this moving portrait, we see the greatest person of all time, the Savior of the world, God's true character, comes out by humbly serving those around him. One of his final acts for the people he loves, that he's walked with, is to serve them. 
In Philippians 2, 6 to 8, it says this, Who, being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Some translations, they say this, he emptied himself, but the most accurate translations emphasize that Jesus poured himself out like water to serve others. Let's think about that image. I should have grabbed some, a cup and with some water and another cup where I can just stand here and just say, pour it out. Because as we're pouring out, we're being emptied, we're serving, we're giving it all. We're laying it all down. And so this was Jesus just pouring out himself for us. Gods and rulers. At this time, they were vindictive. They were self-serving. But the true God of the universe, the one true God we see in Jesus, he serves. He serves. So in these two stories, we see that we want to serve the one we love because the one we love serves. We want to serve the one that we love because he first serves us. We see that when we are like that lady washing the feet of Jesus, we are actually being like Jesus. When we serve, we are being like our Heavenly Father. We are being like Him. And so this is why the rhythm of serving is so important. This is why the rhythm of so serving is so important. There's going to be uh, a couple options that pop up here. Not options, but why serving is so important. First thing, it helps you use your gift. I mentioned last week, the only way that you will know God, the only way that, you know, it's, you would know where he's leading you, where he's directing you, or even what he has for you is if you spend time with him, if you lay down at his feet, if you take that Sabbath rest with him, and you spend time with Jesus. This is how you'll know who you are, by spending time with him. And this is how you'll know what your gift is, by spending time with him. Peter wrote that as each one has received a gift, he is to minister it to one another. So each one, meaning all those who genuinely believe in the Lord, we've received a gift in the same manner in which Peter received his gift through God's grace. He's given us something to offer. He's provided us skills and talents that we can go and serve in the, our communities, in this church, and in the world. Something that he has offered up to us. And so Paul wrote that we all have received different gifts we receive through God's grace. That's in Romans 12, 6-8. See, in that scripture, you will see that Paul, he spoke about some have been given the gifts of prophecy, of ministry, of teaching, of exhortation, of giving, of leading, and being merciful. And then 1 Corinthians then compares the church to this human body. Just like our bodies are made up of parts serving specific functions, like I have hands, I'm thankful for my hands, they really provide, you know what, my life with, you know, some things where I can grab and drive and, you know, I touch this. The church is made up of people with different skills and abilities. Alone, our, you know, our pieces, we might find use in them, but together we can create something beautiful. Together as a church, where we're all participating, where we're all using the gifts that the, the Lord has given us, we can create something that is beautiful, and we can create this body of believers that looks like a functioning body of believers. 
See, as we move out of our comfort zone, God increases our faith by revealing new potential in us. So as we step out, we are stepping out into faith. Lord, help me. And then actually we grow in new potential. We grow in things that we've never seen or not thought that we can do before. There are things in my life that I never thought I could accomplish if I just simply didn't step out first. Things I actually didn't know I liked until I stepped out first. Never thought I would like to teach. I always made fun of teachers. You know what? I was very specific to skip my ninth grade year of school because I didn't like my teachers. It really it didn't work out for me as I went to summer school. Yay. And so um, I'm just laying it all out, my dirty laundry here. But you know, when I step out into something, when I'm given an opportunity, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not sure if this is me or I like this or if this is good enough or I'm good enough. The Lord does something. Because I'm like, Lord, I need you. And you reveal something within me that I never knew was there. Because I was willing to simply to serve. When we see what he can do when his power is working within us, we begin looking for doors he's opening rather than pushing doors that are actually closed. We all have something to give out of serving because it brings generosity. I've mentioned this before. We want to be the most generous people in the world. We want to be known as the most generous people in the world. This reflects in our giving, as I mentioned earlier, which touches on the second importance of serving. It battles that desire for more. Our main root of sin is selfishness. It must be rendered powerless by acts of selfishness. Lessness. Selflessness, sorry. That's a, that's a lot of words to jam into one. When we choose to serve people, putting their needs ahead of ours, we are rooting out the core sin, actually. We are pulling out all the bitter root that has caused us trouble in our lives. We are turning our backs on that serpent in the garden. We are replacing our will for God's will. We are staying true to him. We are enthroning the Lord Jesus Christ upon our hearts, and we're kneeling down on his feet when we serve. We are taking out that root of sin that is most about us, our selfishness. And culturally, our world is saying, right? Our, our world's saying this, you need more. You need more, right? A new iPhone that comes out. Well, I need that new iPhone. The desire for more in our culture is really everywhere you go, right? It's about selling. It's about the new thing. And it's easy to get caught up in the desire for more. And I recognize that being here in the Okanagan since we've moved here. It's really exciting and flashy and, you know, everyone looks so cool and I'm trying to look cool. And so um, I don't have the hair to do it. And so I try to make up for my wonderful personality. And so we are driven by more here too. When we are driven by more, wanting more, then we become busy bodies. And this goes right back to the thing we talked about last week. What happens with the desire for more is that we tend then to work more. How to work more. And then we work longer hours and we think about ourselves more. And therefore we create a rhythm of life that is about us and we get back to that selfish root. So in order to get more, right, we need to spend more. So it, then it decreases our generosity. We see this ugly cycle that we can slowly sip, slip into. This is why serving is so key, because it does something to our heart. It decreases that need for, I need more. It actually, we become more like Jesus when we serve. All right, I'm not sure, like, I have a problem 
there was a problem where I'd like to buy shirts. And I went and I looked in my closet and I looked through my shirts and I was like, man, I haven't worn these shirts for a long time. Probably like 15 or 20 of them. And right, we, maybe you, that's you. That was definitely me. And so I had to get rid of those shirts. When we serve, it decreases those desires. We recognize that helping and the joy we walk in is when we step in accordance with Jesus. So as we serve, we put ourselves in a position to see lives change and miracles happen. One of my favorite stories, or an interesting story and a connection that we see in serving is in John 2, right? Jesus was at the wedding, and he was running out of wine for his guest. And so he needs, um, they need more wine. So he tells the servants to go fill several big jars to the brim. He's like, fill those big jars to the brim. When they served the water to the guest, it was wine. The guests never knew what happened, but the servants were the ones who witnessed the miracle. So the same is true for when we serve. When we serve, we get to witness amazing miracles in people's lives. Just like those guys in, second, in John, on John 2. They were serving. They went and they filled up the water, uh, the jars with water. And Jesus said, pour it out. And then they witnessed this miracle because simply because they served. I remember times helping out in a prayer room, simply just being there for an afternoon and being there praying with people, just serving in the beautiful miracles that I got to see in people's lives simply because I served. I'm just going to close with this last thought. And I'll invite Warren up as he's going to lead us in one last song. When we decrease that desire for more by serving and we focus on people, something beautiful begins to happen within our lives. It draws us and it draws people closer to God, to Jesus. And this is what it's all about. The more of Jesus is revealed in our lives when we find that rhythm of serving, when we find that rhythm of giving, then people come to know him. People begin to see that there's something different in our lives, and then we can tell them about Jesus. Then we get to be a part of that miracle, just like the servants in John 2, who went and simply just filled up those jars with water and watched Jesus perform a miracle. I served helping with teens for a long time, um, which is probably why my hair's gone, truthfully. And so... um, there's nothing like seeing a life changed. There's nothing like seeing a life change. And there was many days where I was like, is this person going to change? I have no idea. What am I doing? Why am I wasting my time? Then I look back now, and then I see that these youth, they are in ministry themselves. Well, they're not youth anymore. Some of them have two kids. And they talk with me, and they're like, so I'm thankful that the time that you poured in, the coffees and everything— so thankful for you taking time to be with me. It draws us closer to Jesus, draws people closer to Jesus. This is why we serve. This is why we lay our life down. All through Christ's ministry, we see him walk from town to town, looking to serve those he comes into contact with. Through making himself available, simply making himself available. Simply by taking the time, people's lives were changed. And that is the main point. We want to make a rhythm to serve.
because we separate from the busyness of life, we're saying, God, I'm here for you to use me. And actually we find life when we serve. Why don't we all stand together? Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you. Thank you that you have given us an image throughout Scripture of what you've called us to do, Lord. And we see what you've prized is serving. Lord, you made yourself available. Lord, you walked with people. You talked with people. Lord, you washed their feet, even. Took on an act that was saying, I'm lower than you, but I'm here for you. Lord, we want to be more like you. Lord, as we serve, there's many things that happen within our life. We recognize the person you've created us to, those, those gifts that you've given us. Lord, it decreases us and provides more of you. Lord, it roots out that selfishness, Lord, that we all battle, if we're honest. We all get stuck in that. I've got some things I would like for myself that I want more of. But I need to recognize, Lord, what you've called me to. And I want to be selfish, Lord. Lord, we see something happen beautiful as we serve. People come to know you, draw closer to you. Lives are changed, lives are transformed. We all can think of somebody who has come along within our life who just simply said, I'll be there for you. And we can recognize those mentors in our life. They weren't paid. But they just wanted to come alongside to be with somebody. We gain something, actually, by laying down our life. We gain you, more of you. And that's what we need, Jesus. So I thank you, Lord, that you have shown us a way to live. Lord, that we would create a rhythm of serving. Lord, that we know that there's life as we serve. Because you're in there, Lord Jesus. Amen.
coming this morning. I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your day. There's coffee out over this way. I encourage you to grab coffee, say hi to somebody, maybe see some, greet somebody you haven't seen in a long, long time. Don't give them a hug. You know, just stay distant. Um, I don't know why I'm telling you this because it's been what we've done for the last two years, but uh, say hi to somebody you haven't seen for a long time. Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your day.